Tonight's scripture reading comes from Leviticus, chapter 25, verses 1 through 7. The Lord said to Moses on Mount Sinai, Say to the people of Israel, When you come into the land which I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. What grows of itself in your harvest you shall not reap, and the the grapes of your undressed vine you shall not gather. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. The Sabbath of the land shall provide food for you, for yourself and for your male and female slaves and for your hired servant and the sojourner who lives with you, for your cattle also and for the beasts that are in your land. All its yield shall be for food. The word of the Lord. From where he sat, it looked like the hippies were out of hand. Their presence was nothing new, and even their increasing numbers didn't bother him. He was grateful, more volume, more business. He had counted on the growing influx of disaffected Midwestern and East Coast suburban reared marijuana-fed youngsters yearning to be free or yearning to get high and not have to attend classes or sleep in the twin beds of their youth or volleying with their parents, returning, returning questions like, where are you going dressed like that? And you seem, well, mellow. Are you mellow? He was grateful for the hippies. They were part of his business plan. He had followed the flow to this California college town for a different kind of freedom financial freedom. He had saved with strict discipline from his very first paycheck at his very first job. After graduating with an associate's degree in accounting from the Dearborn Technical and Business School, he got the first job he applied for, a bookkeeper at the Valuade Drugs on Fort Street. He saved rapidly, severely, investing his savings and reinvesting his gains, saved for something that he had not figured out, except that it would be something that would get him out of Dearborn, get him out of Michigan, and out of the Midwest. So when he started seeing the news reports about the migration of America's young people to Northern California and saw the CBS news feature story on hippies, a brand new breed of bohemians, He knew this was what he had been saving for. He recognized that this new breed of bohemian were new in that they had their parents' money to spend and probably didn't have much experience spending it prudently. In his seven years at Valuaid, how could it have really been seven years already, he had put together a stake that he felt sure would set him up in business out west. It turned out to be more than enough. 
He saw the business for sale in the paper on the first day there. The falafel giant was an established business and located right across the park where large groups of the freedom-seeking transplants congregated and talked and played their guitars and got high and subsequently got hungry. There were also nearly 30,000 actual students in need of cheap food within the immediate area. George Al-Hamin sold him the falafel giant at a fire sale price. He was convinced the hippie, he spoke it as a plural, signaled the end of the stable business climate and was going to return to his native Lebanon for a little bit more of a peaceful life. Things had gone much better than expected. After six months, he extended the hours to 2 a.m. and added a falafel giant cart closer to campus. He liked the young people, the kids, the hippies, as the CBS Evening News had called them. He liked their freedom, their free love and free-flowing clothes and free ideas. He felt like an old man when talking to them, even though he was no more than 10 years older than most of them. But it didn't make him feel young being around so many young people, but neither did it make him feel like he was missing something that they had. He was a business owner, a businessman, which um, is what he knew, which is what he wanted and what he liked. He appreciated them, was amused by them, and there, they were, there was on some level even a way in which he cared about them. Regulars who hung out at the falafel giant late at night or in the quieter afternoons. He liked feeling like an older man around them, like he liked being an adult. He liked feeding them and listening to their beautiful, naive hopes and plans and pronouncements, especially tiger lily and salmon, whose given names he had come to learn were Jane Denise Erickson and Mark Neeland. She was from Indiana and Mark was from upstate New York. Mark had dropped out of college in his junior year. Jane, who insisted on Tiger Lily, was much younger. She said 18, but he doubted it. They were part of a more radical and progressive political group of kids that had lately started referring to themselves as the non-collective anarchist army. He began to overhear plans like take down the system and fight the power. Um, these phrases, while they nod, they spoke them in urgent whispers while they nod on their falafel giant juniors and falafel giants and wiped cucumber yogurt dressing from their chins. All these kids, these hippies, were becoming more agitated, more aggressive. It seemed to him that their simple being and loving and grooving, or whatever it was they did, didn't last long before they started doing and demanding and protesting and organizing. There began to be regular marches that turned into altercations with the police, which turned into riots. He had to start opening the falafel giant on Sundays just to make sure he was there if a riot broke out and he had to board the windows against bricks and trash cans and the many other flying objects. He couldn't believe how quickly these kids vacationed from the system that they adamantly stayed culture of their parents had become systematized. 
He thought it was great that these kids could take some kind of break and have fun, doing nothing, be free, before they got to the business of having careers and making money and raising children of their own. In talking to Tiger Lily and Mark, hearing their passion and seeing the boldness and beauty it took them to come out here and say no to the immediate expectations of their parents and guidance counselors and polite society, he came to believe that when this time was over, that it would never quite leave them, that they would re-enter the college career paths that they were raised for, but they would never quite believe in it in the same way their parents did. They would do their duty, provide for their families, be good citizens, but it wouldn't be all there was. They would still be a little bit free from it. But now, from where he sat, behind the counter, looking out the window of the falafel giant, all he saw across the street in the park were armies forming, meetings and organizations with charts and platforms and demands and ten-point plans. It may not be their parents' system, but it was a system, and all the hippies seemed to be falling in place, falling in line, and working for this new system. It made him sad. He liked the free-flowing fun better, and this new system was bad for business. He liked, he, like other business owners, had somehow been implicated. He was part of the power, the corporate oppressors. Besides, that none of the straight college students wanted to come down here anymore and be abused and spit on for wearing a cardigan sweater. Creating is a business. God knew this. All establishing and planting and harvesting and storing and building shelter and establishing laws and making statutes and providing for each other and forming a society and building roads and libraries and servers and laying out fiber optic cables across the ocean. It's easy to get carried away with it. God knew this. God knew how good it felt to make things and make things and make things that work, to build something out of seemingly nothing, to bring what seemed like order out of chaos. It was good stuff. It was the stuff they were made for. And God was fairly impressed with what they had done in so little time. There were, of course, a lot of things that needed changing, but God wasn't looking for perfection. And God certainly didn't want anyone to strive for perfection. That is a sure sign that all the creating and order-making was overtaking them. And God knew how easy it was for that to happen, to believe so much in the order-making, the developing, the systematizing, to the point that one thought that that was really what mattered, that that was the most important thing. To believe one was actually in control, that one could actually banish chaos, and that that was a good thing. This is why God built in controls, simple ways to remind them what really, uh, what really was important, what was true, that they and God, that God was their maker and the giver of the greatest pleasures, that God took the pleasure to pause with them, for them to step out, out aside of the doing and the building and to just be and receive all the good things that he had for them, like each other. Yeah, 
mainly each other. For them to stop and understand that the systems, whichever system one picked, were necessary but not important. What was important was for them to be with each other and to be with God, to enjoy each other and to enjoy God. Simple controls, work, make, build for six days, and then stop and notice. Every seventh year to stop, don't plant, don't work, just be mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and hired hands and employees of the month and entry-level dishwashers, all doing nothing, living on what God would provide. No slaves, no CEOs, just people enjoying each other, enjoying God. And rest. Let the land rest. And let everyone who works on the land rest. Every seven times seven years, every two generations, stop, stop, and start again. All the land that is bought returns to its original owner. All debts, mortgages, forgiven. A reminder of what is important. Simple. Since the time the law of the Jubilee was proclaimed, there is no certainty that it was ever practiced once. Not even once. Since the time of the destruction of the temple, the Sabbath years stopped being counted. The seventh day was turned into a day of denial, not freedom and rest, until finally it was forgotten. It is the only one of the Ten Commandments that even the strictest of believers feel no obligation to follow. Creating is a heady thing. God knows this. All systems need to be put aside regularly so one can see outside of it, so one can rest and receive the true gifts from the true giver. He heard an explosion and he winced, not thinking of the danger or the damage, but just because it had all come to this. He had overheard Salmon, who was t- telling someone that he met on the street, that these two guys said that they were going to go and firebomb the Bank of America on Telegraph. He told them. He told Salmon that he should not go, that he should not do that. But now there were sirens and people running everywhere. Other business owners were hurriedly nailing their plywood over the window. He was just getting up to pull his pre-cut quarter-inch sheet out of the back room when someone started pounding on the back door and screaming his name. He was sure he recognized the voice as Tiger Lilies, but couldn't imagine she had the strength for that pounding. He quickly unbolted the door, let her in. She was hysterical, crying, grinning with overwhelming fear in her eyes. She paced around the room, trying to talk and catch her breath at the same time. We, uh, we've, um, we, uh, we did it. No, he said, resigned. Yeah, man, we did it. We did it. She was holding her right forearm close to her body. Let me see that, he said taking her hand, and he examined the inside of the forearm. She was burned. Not too badly, but it had to hurt. Here, come here, and you can run some cold water over that. She let him lead her to the dish sink, still grinning and looking terrified, trying to catch her breath. He turned the cold water on just halfway and guided her arm under the stream. He moved it slowly under the stream. The hysterical grin dropped from her face as he looked at her, and her bottom lip 
started to quiver to fight off what was coming. She said, we took him down. Shh, he said. She looked into his eyes with so many questions. People got hurt, she said. People got hurt bad. People do, he whispered. What do I do next? What do I do now, she said. Next, you rest. You need to rest. <laughs>